There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve and tonight we'll be discussing episode one of season one of Night Flyers. This was so weird. Yes, it was. It reminded me so much of like Event Horizon. Yeah, a little bit. But like, but almost like all that stuff we didn't see in that movie. Right. So makes me wonder where it's going because I did not read this novella. Right. Neither have I. The novella was written by Grimm, George R. R. Martin. Yep. So you may or may not know his <laughs> The Song of Ice and Fire, Game of Thrones. Right. Yeah. To most and... of us who are fans of that are like, what can we get Winds of Winter already? <laughs> right. But <laughs> And of course, this is not Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, no. a lot of people tried to compare it to that. And no, no. you're gonna be de- if you were expecting a Game of Thrones in space, you're greatly disappointed. And No, this uh, is like a whole nother genre. Yes, absolutely. Now, it did have a, a good sci-fi feel. Absolutely. Especially how it opened. Yes. And then, then we get to go back and see what's happening. So it's really making me like, okay, almost like, um, oh crap, what's the movie I'm thinking? I want to say aliens, but not really. But you get that little bit of suspense like aliens. But this episode, you only got the suspense in the very first few moments. Right. And then you're getting the setup. So I think it's going to be really interesting the way they go with it. I hope anyway. Right. All right. So hit me with some ratings news, Steve. All right. Episode one brought in a 0.15 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.623 million viewers making it the 48th rated cable show for the day. Pretty good for a Sunday night. Yeah. So you have the setup. (laughs) On a mission abroad, the Nightfire, the most advanced ship ever built, a team of scientists embark on an expedition to make first contact with alien life. Set in the year 2093, their mission takes them beyond the edge of the solar system, farther than mankind has ever gone before. But when terrifying and violent events start to occur, the team and the crew begin to question themselves, each other, and their reclusive captain. They soon come to realize that the true horror isn't waiting for them in outer space. It's already on the ship. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It was good, though. And I like the way it was going. So it's got me interested. Absolutely, it does. So... We have a couple alums. Yep. Crossover time. I love it. Yes. Owen Mackin, who is playing Carl DeBanion, the astrophysicist and leader of the scientists group on the Night Flyer expedition. You might remember him on Sci-Fi's Merlin as he played Sir Gawain. Hmm. 
And also, Brian F. O'Byrne, who's playing Augie, the chief engineer on the Night Flyer. We saw him not too long ago as Mayakovsky on The Magicians. And he also played Sean Ramsey on a show that Sean did on The Last Ship. Yep. Awesome that we get these crossovers. I love it. Yes. Yeah. When he wasn't even fully in focus, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. (laughs) Show that face. And then this was all filmed in Limerick, Ireland. Yes, it was. Interesting. I do want to take a second and talk about the ship. Okay. Just because this is reminds me so much of the expanse. Yes. Because how they had the the front like um, rotating. Right. And it it kind of was, to me, like a throwback to 2001, The Space Odyssey. Yes. The way it was rolling. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting. I feel like this is almost like something that has to be in every show, every sci-fi movie. Right. Like the way everything has to rotate. And I love that they had plants and I'm assuming animals because we've seen some insects at least. Yes. So I love that they're trying to create something and even more so that they mention the fact that it's almost a life raft because they've screwed up the earth so much right and i'm like okay these are things that most of the time aren't touched on right even though we see it so i'm glad that they actually say it in this one yes so episode one was entitled all that we left behind and the team of scientists joined the crew of the night flyer on a journey to make contact with alien life well the opening like i said is where we get all this like crazy suspense and drama right we see a woman running and we don't know what's going on but she seems to be in distress just a little and you see like a tree and various debris floating in space yeah so that can't be good no not at all unless a planet blew up i think things are probably bad yeah so she runs into a lab to leave a recording identifying herself as Dr. Agatha Matheson and saying that there's been fatalities and structural damage. And this is a warning, not a distress call, which we've seen in the previews repeatedly. Right. She's bloodied and pretty much terrified. And she's like, stay away from the night flyer. Do not bring us back. Right. Again, very much like Event Horizon to me here. Yes. Only they ignored it then, and I feel like somebody's going to ignore it now. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So she sends it out. I'm like, what is this, a pneumatic tube? What's going on? Yeah. And she sends it and basically ejects it out into space while she's being attacked by somebody who looked pretty crazy. Very shining right there. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I thought of that. He totally had an axe, and he tried to come in. I'm like, yeah, there's the shining for him. Low Johnny. Right? <laughs> and that's funny because that happens to be my lock screen on my phone. It's Harley <laughs> Quinn with an axe the same way. Yeah. So I love it. But as her attacker comes towards her, after she has fought him off a little bit to try to get that message popped up face, because she got something. I don't even know what it was that she stabbed him with, but at least got him distracted enough that she was able to send the message and then she looks longingly out the window and grabs what looked like, I don't know, a, a skull saw or something? Uh, yeah, a bone saw. It's definitely, <laughs> definitely a bone saw. And decided to commit suicide by just taking out that jugular. Yeah. I was like, what the hell yeah. are we watching? <laughs> exactly. 
I didn't know this was going to be a gory thing, but then we go back to Earth and everything's normal because then it says, like, we went back in time. Like, what the hell just happened? Right. So apparently this is, well, I can't even say what year it is because we don't exactly get the information. No, not yet. But we have a scientist, Carl DeGranin, who is stopped and he's getting scanned. And I'm like, ooh, what is this? Right. And again, throwback to other sci-fi shows, which I won't rethink because there's so many shows. And they're asking him, are you sick? Do you have any sores? And I'm like, holy crap. It's like, this is like how zombie movies start. Right. (laughs) Zombies in space. I don't know. But he's cleared and he gets to go home and talk to his wife and his kid. And he's telling him what happened. We didn't get the funding, but. And when you get the but, it's like, oh, yeah. Is this going to be good or bad? And he proceeds to tell him, well, I can go up on Night Flyer and we can go to the void and talk to them. And I'm like, talk to who? Right. Is this like super rich people and they're like living on a spaceship somewhere? That's what I'm thinking. Right. But as he's talking to his wife and he's like, don't worry, I'll only be gone two years. Only? Right. That's a long time. Yes, it is. Apparently, it's outside our solar system. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say I would think it would take longer than that, but it would take longer than that with now's technology. Right. So, yeah, hopefully with 2093, it's not that bad. Right. But then we see his daughter and he's like, oh, honey, did I wake you up? And he goes and he's laying in bed talking with her. And as he's comforting her, all of a sudden we hear memory paused. I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Hold on here. What's what this, this got to do with anything? Yes. And then we find out it was six months before the issue that happened in the opening scene because he apparently had just gotten onto the night flare. Right. And he's just remembering what happened with his wife and daughter that day in this really weird room that looked like one of those. Oh, I can't remember what it's called, where it like absorbs all the sound. Right. So that way it's like. Super quiet, and that's all you concentrate on. Although there was lasers, so who knows? Right. Into the eyes. Laser yeah. into the eyes is never good. Unless it's LASIK. Right. I don't think this is going to be a good thing. No. I just already had a feeling like things weren't going to be right. Right. Well, apparently we are on the Night Flyer. You want to talk a little bit about the Night Flyer? All right. Yeah, we see Matheson arriving and talking to the Banyan and meeting some of the crew. And this happens to be the lady we saw commit suicide. Okay. And Carl introduces Lamy, who has a neural port to the ship and works on programming. I swear I did not know what they were calling her. Right. Like, what? Rami? Mommy? What? Yeah. And also, Melanthrogerl, an individual genetically enhanced and trained for space travel. How do you do that? I don't know if I want to know. Well, you figure that, yes, your muscles and bones are affected by living in zero G. So apparently that's something that you could probably modify in the person's DNA so that doesn't happen. Uh, Okay, that makes sense. Right. Of course, you got Matheson and Companion are the scientists. And Matheson is a psychologist brought on board and onto the project because of her ability to talk to the telepath that they have brought on board, who is named Thale, and 
Seems like the crew and the colonials are very, very skeptical about this person, calling him an L1. Yeah, what is that? Yeah. Now, of course, yes, if you have a telepath that can get in your head at any point in time, yeah, you want to be, I'd be a little concerned too, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And of course, during the tour, he also introduces her to Rowan, a biologist on board, and also a familiar face as he was the man who was attacking Matheson. Okay. He doesn't seem to be a person that is tended to uh, violence, but you never know. Yeah, he seemed pretty laid back. Very. Of course, at lunch in the cafeteria, Depanion explains to the nervous crew and colonists gathered around that they have brought the telebath on board to help communicate with the alien Vulcrans that they need to make contact with. Well, they still just not buying it, just uncomfortable, and you you get a feeling that this probably is going to be a problem. I kept thinking they were saying Vulcan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, obviously, I watch too much Star Trek, but I'm yeah. like, what? How are they getting away with that? Right. Yeah. And it was kind of interesting, though, because we hear about the captain a little bit. And, you know, all of a sudden the captain's talking in, I'm going to call him Mykovsky's ear. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, anybody who wants to leave will still pay your the coward's contract in full right and i'm like oh yeah that's rough dude yeah i think that's like all right loser you want to leave go ahead we'll pay you loser you know it's like that's what i felt like the captain was doing and he wasn't even there right absolutely and of course the shuttle leaves and the mission begins now i was expecting a bunch of people to be on that shuttle right we don't see the shuttle no we don't know how many people ended up bailing although the one guy who had started all the crap didn't bail no he did not so we go to the ship's bridge and the captain appears as a hologram that was cool yeah oh really and of course makes a moving speech about their groundbreaking mission and the chance to make first contact with other life forms yeah and i'm starting to think okay this is weird because apparently the captain only ever appears as a hologram right Choosing so it's to like stay. okay something isn't right here yeah exactly and i'm like hmm is it a, even really a captain right is he still in corporeal form yeah so of course like they thinking, no this is gonna be bad right here right, right. here yep because it's time to push off as they say and trying to break earth's orbit just doesn't go well at all oh my gosh with everything that was going wrong all i kept thinking is i think we should abort this mission yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah i don't think i'd have kept going at that point no i mean all of your engines are failing something is not right yeah ship just starts to do a nosedive back into the atmosphere it's like oh well this trip sure uh, lasted all of uh, 10 seconds. <laughs> right? Everybody's going down. Sorry, guys. Yep. One guy on the bridge just gets tossed around like a rag doll. Poor guy. That was pretty rough. I felt bad for him, even though he was a jerk. Yeah. But, yeah, because one minute he's on the ceiling, next minute he's on the panel. Next, 
Second, he's on the ceiling, then on the panel. Yeah, and plus I'm thinking, you've just destroyed that panel. Right. I think you need a timeout to get that fixed before you go off into deep space. Yeah, absolutely. But they do finally break orbit and get underway. Another questionable move by a questionable captain. Right. And of course, the Colonials are starting to feel like the telepath had something to do with the launch and go to confront him in his isolation pod. I love how they're like, oh, it had to be him. Right. Absolutely. a telepath. He can't change anything with machines. Right. But he can affect people that work on machines. Hmm. That's true. Yeah, so I can see that the crew and the Colonials are definitely the first thing that makes sense. That's what we're going with. And, of course, that happens to be the first thing that makes sense to them. Mm -hmm. And we find out just how powerful Thale is as he basically is able to defend himself against the pair that show up without breaking a sweat. Oh my gosh, that was messed up. I kind of felt bad for the guy. Yeah. But then again, he was a jerk, so. Yeah. (laughs) It was awesome that when they walk up and they look inside, they see a guy that looks like he's been hung. Right. And it looks like one of them, and you go, oh, wow, what the happened? And then it's gone, and you go, okay, (laughs) I see what you're doing now. And then he made the guy think he was hanging there, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, of course, the Banyan asked Matheson to go talk to Thale to make sure he wasn't responsible for damaging the launch. And like you said, how could he create a mechanical misfire? Well, if you get in somebody's head and they start pushing wrong buttons, that would do it. And we know. But I'm thinking, why would he want that to happen? He is on that ship, too. Right. Why would he want to destroy the ship? Unless he didn't want to go out to deep space, but. Still, yeah, maybe he thought, hey, we can avoid the trip altogether, then I get to go back home. Right. Yeah, except he, we find out, was basically kept in like a mountain fortress kind of thing. So he's never seen the sky or anything. Right. So this is probably more freedom than he's had. Right. So I'm definitely thinking he's not like, let me go get locked back up. But that's me. Right. Of course, the scientists know that he can't, but... Also know that the crew is scared and suspicious of the telepath's power. So Debanyan goes to talk to Lomi, who says that she can't find any cause for the rocky takeoff, but will continue to investigate the ship's systems. Let's prove that it was a mechanical failure, if at all possible. And then we get more bad news. The Vulcran ship has altered course and it will now be five extra months in the void before they are able to reach it. That's great. See, I wasn't sure if they meant to reach it or total five extra months. I think it was five extra months just to reach it. Oh, God. Almost a whole year. Yeah. So now the round trip is pushing three years instead of two. Mm Mm-hmm. So, of course, we see Carl calling his wife and saying how much he misses their daughter, Skye. And how sad he is that his wife is alone. And then, like, the picture kept getting weird. Yes, distorting her face. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, that's going to be a thing. Yes, it is. And then out of nowhere, his daughter appears, running around on the ship. And he hears her. Right. 
Okay, we definitely got some monkey business going on around here. Mm-hmm. And of course, he confronts Matheson, thinking that Thale is messing with his mind. Really? Maybe there's something else, because they do say that these Volcron are on the same level as the telepaths. That's why they needed Thale. Right, in case because they it, aren't able to communicate vocally. So, so yeah, it's very what possible. if they've been trying to communicate, and they're sending all this weird crap? Exactly. Yeah. All right. Thale is not the only telepath they're going to be dealing with, so. And maybe there's another one on the ship we don't know about. Exactly. Now, of course, we get to find out our captain is also a stalker. (laughs) As Mel is in her quarters and she knows she's being watched. I'm sorry. That's just kind of weird. Just all of a sudden, like, it's going to light up. And he's like, I'm watching you. Why is there something in my room? Right. Yeah. Security cameras in rooms. Well, we saw it on Dark Matter. Oh, that's true. So, yeah, yeah I guess it's weird. possible that they would have them. But yeah, to me, that would be an evasion of privacy. <laughs> Once I'm in my room, it's my space. Damn it. Right. And she, of course, confronts the captain who decides to pop up in hologram form. Right. And this is why I'm like, something is off about him because he's like, I find you fascinating because you've been genetically created for space travel. And she's like, oh, are you always watching me? Like. When I'm showering and when I'm changing, he's like, I don't want to watch flesh. I can see that anytime. Like the way he said that. Yes. It just seemed really weird. Yes, it did. Definitely had to wonder about this guy. I'm like, the wording is just very specific and very strange. Yes. And while this is going on, Banyan talks to Rowan and we find out that Rowan has a very pessimistic view of the mission does not think the Vulcran will help humans as they've ignored every attempt at communication to date. And I thought that was interesting because he says, you're a skeptic, that's why I came to you. Right. It's like, that's weird. That doesn't seem like the person you would go to, but I guess if you can make a believer out of the naysayer. Right. I'm guessing. Yeah, that would have to be his line of thought at least. And we cut back to Mel, who is spending some time in a water tank, and the system starts to malfunction. And she starts seeing things. Right. Like there's another one next to her, and whoa, that got pretty freaky deaky there. Right, because you see it like starts changing, like it's filling up with blood. Right. Bodies and then you see body parts, yeah. And then we actually see her head in it. Like, like, what? Now, at the same time that this is happening, Lomi is plugged into the ship's system and sees what is happening through her connection, but is unable to stop it. Ooh. So, this is, unless the telepath is in Lomi's head, causing her to send the wrong commands or push the wrong buttons, something. In this ship. Yeah, it seemed really odd. Yeah. And of course, as Mel is about to drown, Lomi gets in her room and saves her. And a bit later, they get together and, ooh, get together. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which was weird because as it's happening, she's looking at the captain's camera. Right. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Don't do this weird stuff. No. So Matheson takes Thale for a walk in the ship's garden. Now, when you have somebody that the most of the crew is paranoid of, is it really a good idea to take him for a walk? Well, that anywhere? was part of the agreement. <laughs> right. And I'm feeling like if they didn't keep that, it would have gotten really weird. Right. Like he could have just made you see all sorts of shit. Yeah. So better to keep him kind of calm. Absolutely. But of course, that quickly ends when others arrive and insist that Captain Hologram wants to see him. Yeah, I'm like, okay, why doesn't he just pop in there? That's right. You can have first-hand conversation with him. Right? But no, they go with the sedation route. Well, they almost went with the just shooting him route. Right, yeah. The the colonials definitely wanted to just shoot him and get it over with. Thankfully, they didn't, because I feel like it's going to be very important. Yeah. So Carl goes back into the memory pod and sees his daughter. But the visions are corrupted and change and things just go haywire. Oh, yeah, because he's like, no, stop. This isn't how it happened. Right, and trying to turn it off, and he can't, and it's just drilling into his head, and you just go, whoa, hold on. Yeah, and as he, like, falls out of the pod, like, we all see the daughter, right? and then her arm, and like, oh, my God, it's like it, because the arm is stretching really (laughs) far, and I'm like, holy crap, what's happening? Yeah. Nightmare. Yes, big time. (laughs) And, of course, he goes straight to Matheson to find out what the hell is Thale doing. And she says, well, he's still sedated, but not so much as they head to his cell. And guess what? He's not in there. But that means somebody had to let him out. Exactly. Who could that be? So, of course, the crew wants to capture him, and Matheson is afraid that he might do Something to defend himself. Bad things. Yes. So, of course, our little group is like, all right, we have to find him and put him back in. And the colonials want to end him. Right. But then we have something happen before they take off. Well, they break the captain's camera so he can't eavesdrop. Right. And then Lamy plugs in to try to get through the firewall to get to the camera system to see what happened because the captain's like oh the it went black when he disappeared so we don't know what happened right really not suspicious no not suspicious at all so then as lami's inside and like plugged in she's starting to have weird things happen and i'm like oh my god i think she's dying right something's attacking her from inside the programming and all of a sudden she's like Sounding possessed, she's like, get out. I'm like, what is this? A little uh, (laughs) possession here much? Yeah, it was weird. And I'm like, hmm, what's happening? And that's when we finally see, like, she comes out of it. She's able to unplug. And then suddenly the captain's light on his camera comes back up. So obviously breaking it didn't do crap. Right. Except delay. Yeah. So it's like, all right, something's in there making me wonder what. And we have crew members looking everywhere. And one guy who, I think he was the one that Thale made think he hung himself, right? Right, yeah. 
he you know runs into the other guard and he's like, oh, I got to get this back online. And he goes down into like, I don't know, piping or something. Right, yeah. And what is with in spaceships? It's always something leaking. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. And so he's down there fixing something. And next thing we know, well, there's Thale. And OK, if Thale was cornered, they said he would do something. Right. Well, the guy didn't even pay any attention. Was it didn't know he was there until Thale kind of made himself known. Right. Absolutely. And you kind of go, hmm, well, if the captain can be a hologram, is it possible that what we're seeing is a hologram as well? Or like he's projecting himself. Right. Like in everybody's head somewhere, maybe. Yep. Interesting. Well, the guy confronts him, he pulls a gun, and then it's like a beating heart. And I'm like, ooh, what does this guy think is happening, or what did he do? Right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, because it was the same guy from the bridge that got tossed around like a rag doll. And we know he had been a jerk, so, hmm, okay. But I don't know where they'll just throw something down into the liquid and up in flames. Oh, see, I didn't even see him throw anything. Yeah. I just know, like, the next scene, like, all I see is flames. And they're trying to put the fire out because DeBrannon is the one who finds it first. Right. And then you see, like, a scene of Thale, like, walking the other way. It's like, oh, God, what is happening? Chaos in space. Chaos in space. We only thought Will Robinson had chaos in his life. (laughs) (laughs) Danger. Danger. And you yeah. haven't got out of the solar system yet. How are you going to deal with the void? Right. Oh, and we we failed to mention, though, Theo apparently draws stuff. Because we see, like, all these crazy, like, pictures that he drew. Right. The and the doctor. seeing from other people. Right. And the doctor's like, oh, this is what everybody else is, like, projecting. And I'm like, maybe those are the Volcrons. Could be. And then he drew the picture of Shrill drowning. But then, like blacked it all out right and you see there was a bunch so it's like what is he seeing yeah craziness of course yes so oh my goodness so we want to know what you guys think shoot us an email sci-fi talk that's s-y-f-y talk at fangirlzone.com let us know your thoughts on night flyers and we of course will be covering this season it is all in two weeks time but right obviously it's not all getting out that fast no (laughs) So let us know, and we'll we'll talk about it, go over it. If you've read the novella, I want to know how well it's compared, and just what do you think is going to happen next? And while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and every other platform you find us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, tell your friends. We hope you're enjoying the podcast and the show, because this is weird so far. And of course, don't forget to head over to www.fangirlzone.com. You can check out all sorts of randomness that I have up there. And we have the links to our Amazon store because tis the season. And of course, Redbubble, if you want any of our logos on stuff, because why not give our logo to somebody for Christmas? There you go. <laughs> and for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirless. And I'm Steve. We're a virus that has killed its host, and we're looking for a new host to infect. And until next time. <laughs>